Coach, hey, as always, thank you for joining me. Um, thanks for sitting on the hot seat. Thanks for ready to take the slings and arrows from a purple raider. Appreciate you being on. Love the beard. Of course, thank you. Like I said, my uh, my two kids are really liking it. They like to grab it and play with it. So <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. I'll keep Dad, it I don't like you. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, hey, uh, let's just jump right into it because I have some interesting thoughts um, about John Carroll uh, soccer from 2023 season. But let me know your thinking. How do you think your season went? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a two-pronged answer for me. I think if you look at it in terms of the landscape of a Division Three program, it's a very successful year, uh, a lot of great accomplishments, um, and a lot to be proud of. And I definitely agree with the a lot to be proud of and a lot of accomplishments. You know, anytime you can win 14 games, um, I believe we played – Nine NCAA tournament teams. Mm-hmm. Our SOS at the end of the season, or end of the regular, or the non-conference, excuse me, was top five in the country. Mm-hmm. You know, seventh straight national tournament mm-hmm. bid in a row, which I believe is top five or six in the country in terms of streaks in, in D3. Um, you're proud of all that, but we're definitely disappointed as a as a program. Mm-hmm. And the reason why we're disappointed is because of our standard, and our standard is dictated by us. So. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at the bigger picture, I have one answer. If you look at us in a vacuum, you know, you know here internally, I have a different answer. But, um, again, I still think we had a great year. I just think we're disappointed in how it went, in a sense, because uh, we expected more um, and we didn't achieve all of our goals. Well, I'm glad you said that um, because I, I don't know what it was watching you this year. Because I, I, based on our conversation the last time, you'd said some things that I thought, oh, this is going to be an interesting year for John Carroll. And I, I kept looking for more. And I just, it just, I don't know. That stretch in, during the regular season, maybe you could talk where you went. You, I mean, I, I was happy, don't get me wrong, um, where <laughs> you, right, you go to Otterbein, you lose. Go to Capital, you lose. And then you go to Mount and you lose. Uh, just walk me through those because I thought there was you looked real. I don't know if vulnerable is the right word. Yeah, but you didn't. You didn't look like something didn't seem right to me. Right. Um, I'll take you back. You know, into my head and how it was here internally. You know, before that Otterbein game, which was a Wednesday, um, we had just beat Northern at Northern. Um, who obviously is a tremendous program, and we have a great deal of respect uh, for them. And, you know, you beat Northern, you're 5-0 in the conference, you're ranked first in the region in the the rankings that matter. Um, And I found out I had COVID. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So, And, again, I am not making excuses. Uh, It it happens, and you have to deal with it. But uh, up until that point, and I even remember waking up on Monday feeling like, man, I don't know if I've ever felt this good about where we're at in the season in my 22 years at Carroll. I really felt like we were hitting on all cylinders. We were mm-hmm. um, we were getting better every day, whether it was on the, uh, the training pitch or in a game. And the stars were really aligning for what we wanted in terms of, like I said, these regional rankings and, and all this stuff mm-hmm. uh, for the postseason. And 
I'll be honest, when I, I was so convinced that I didn't have COVID, I had my wife like do the test for me. Like I handed her the swab and I was like, just make sure I don't have it so I can get up to school and get, get back to work, you know, cause we had, we had training that afternoon and, um, I'll never forget her face when that thing turned positive. Cause it, it like, I just felt like my, my world was crashing down on me yeah. and being gone, you know, away from the team for a week during the season is the worst thing a coach can do to its, its players. You know, yeah. I, I let them down. I, I completely take responsibility for everything that happened that week, including with my coaching staff and, and support staff and whatever. But, um, you know, they say experience is the hardest teacher because the, the lesson, the, uh, the test comes before the lesson. Right. And we've never dealt with something like that before. And Mm -hmm. you can try to manage a team from your bedroom in isolation, um, when, when, when adversity hits, but there's nothing like being there and, and having a hands-on approach to help your, mm-hmm. your team through a very difficult time. So again, I am not taking, and I want to be crystal clear on this. I am not taking any credit away from Otterbein, uh, from, uh, capital, from Mount union, mm-hmm. you know, they, they're very good teams and, um, mm-hmm. that could have happened if I didn't get COVID, but it definitely affected us internally, and unfortunately, I couldn't come up with an answer to get us back on track until I yeah. was, you know, back on campus and and yeah. back with the team. So, it was uh, definitely one of the most difficult things I've dealt with personally in my career because uh-huh. it's a very helpless feeling where you, you see bad things happening and and you can't do anything to fix it. Yeah, yeah. Well, first of all, I mean, I'm glad you're healthy again. Like, was it, was it one of those cases where you tested positive, but you didn't feel bad? You just like maybe a cold or was it, were you like really crushed? Yeah. What happened to me was I very rarely get headaches. Like I could probably Mm -hmm. on one hand count in my life where I could tell you, I remember having a headache and I woke up Mm -hmm. and my head was pounding, like, Mm -hmm. like migraine-ish kind of feeling. Um, I, I kind of waited a couple hours before I, I left for school because I knew I didn't feel right and I just wanted to wait to see if this thing was go would go away and I don't I'm not a big Aleve and ibuprofen dude either so mm-hmm. I didn't want to take that but you know it got to the point where like I said I looked at my wife I'm like hey um, go get me a couple whatever so I can get into the mm-hmm. office and, and get to work and it was honestly. She was the one like, why don't you test? Because we've always been very safe with that. Like mm-hmm. almost like to test just to prove you don't have it and you can yeah, get yeah, that out of your head, same. right? Yeah. And like I said, I was so sure because I, I, no sneezing, no coughing, no other symptoms. Mm-hmm. It was just a very bad headache, um, like yeah. a pounding headache. And um, to the point where, I, like I said, I, I swabbed myself and I, I, I handed her the, the, <laughs> the thing to do the test, you know, and um, I, st- I actually, I started getting ready. Like I started, you know, putting yeah. clothes on to get, go to work and... Um, like I said, I saw her face when that thing went positive, and uh, I don't know if I'll ever get that image out of my, my head. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I, I literally, I had, yeah. like, a migraine for a week, is what yeah, I would yeah. tell you. That's how you do it. Yeah, yeah, Well, that, you know what, like I said, I don't, again, not being on the inside, but on the outside, just some, in the Mount Union game, I, it it didn't, something just didn't look right, right? Like, and, and I watched the Ottermine game, and I just thought, Something didn't look right. I couldn't understand. Um, because I thought that stretch, believe it or not, was kind of critical, right? Like, that's a critical stretch for you. I'm not saying that you need to win every single game. But 
right? I thought the one that I, you'd stand the most chance was the Otterbein game, and then the Capital and Uni- and the Mount game just to me just seemed like you look so vulnerable. And I thought, wow, that is just so weird. That's not something characteristic of the teams that you coach. So, um, yeah, I mean, in one sense, you know, you know when it's happening as a coach because when you've done this for as long as I have, you know everything is critical when it comes to conference play, especially in a great conference like the OAC. And um, it part of it, ironically, made me feel proud of like all the things that we've done in the past and how much we've been able to win in the championships because it does like one bad week and, and you put yourself in a very bad spot. Mm-hmm. So it, it was uh, it was definitely a, a learning experience and and something I've never felt I would have to prepare for. Like I, yeah. I, I can't remember the last time I missed a practice let alone a game, you know, in, in 22 mm-hmm. years. So, uh, but again, yeah, yeah. it happens. You got to deal with yeah. it. Adversity comes in every season. And unfortunately, we were not able to overcome that. Yeah, yeah. Well, then I just go, right? Like, uh, I, I mean, uh, and you sort of corrected course, right? <laughs> I guess when you were back, right? You go to Muskegon, you'd play Capital in the. OEC, and then you go to PKs against Otterbein, but that could happen at that at that point. So, um, you, and then you win at St. Mary's, or yeah, down in Fredericksburg at Mary Washington. But um, yeah, that, that's interesting. I, I had no idea. So glad glad you're glad you're healthy. Um, I'm not going to ask you what your challenges were <laughs> because I think you just kind of told me. <laughs> um, what surprised you? What yeah, what surprised you? It, probably a couple things. I mean, one, I thought we were just really hot out of the gates. Uh, we really reconstructed our entire preseason. We almost ripped it up and started from scratch. Um, and I really felt that our new approach worked. And I felt like in terms of the non-conference, like I said, you know, going into even the second week of the OAC, I felt like we were further ahead than we had ever been in a season before. So it was really great to get some very good results, um, especially some big results on the road against the kind of non-conference schedule that we play. Um, obviously, the the COVID uh, period was uh, mm-hmm. a curveball. Uh, but another thing that really surprised me was how, how, they, how, how the players bounce back um, after it. You know, they're not used to this. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, when I got back um, and, and we started getting things corrected and it was clear that we weren't going to be a top two seed, I brought everyone in, including the entire coaching staff and trainers, and, and I said, raise your hand if you've played in the OAC quarterfinal before. And I was the only one to put my hand up. You know, yeah. so it was, a, it was new territory that they hadn't been used to. But truthfully, I thought, you know, that second game against uh, Capital in the quarterfinal we, we started to look back to ourselves. I thought against Otterbein, we played great. I mean, that was a really good game. Obviously, Otterbein yeah, yeah. Is, is excellent, and that game could have went either way. Um, you know, PKs is cruel, but really good game. I thought we played very well, and, and I thought Otterbein did too. And then going into the national tournament, I thought we played excellent as well. So um, the roller coaster of the season is uh, it's a constant that's going to happen uh, year in and year out. But I think the peaks and valleys were a little higher and lower this year. So the fact mm-hmm. that we were able to dig ourselves out and play as well as we did was something I was really proud of. Mm-hmm. I um, 
I did think you guys were on a roll. Like, again, I kept, I think at one point I, had, I said something on a, on the, on the channel where I was like, they're just reloaded, you know? Um, I got to ask you something. You said in preseason, you sort of ripped it up and started over again. What, what, what did you mean that? Like, did you just try a new system? Did you? Yeah. Brand new system. It basically, I know people are going to probably laugh when I say this, but we didn't spend that much time on the field, you know, and when we were on the field, we were doing a lot more teaching than mm -hmm. playing. And I think in years past, you know, you're trying to just sort through and um, get through a preseason as healthy as possible and, and not run down or whatever. But we really went into teaching mode pretty early. And I, I don't think it was a coincidence that we looked as good as we did there in that first month. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. So you didn't, you, I mean, so it sounded, I don't know, it's like my impressions of a spring season, right? Like, that's when you do most of your teaching. But it sounds like that, I mean, it was the same approach here? Like, it wasn't? I think it's a little different than what you do in the spring. Because at the end of the day, you don't have your full roster with you. Mm -hmm. You know, and yes, you can get a lot accomplished and you can be proactive with stuff like that. But um, until you really get the group together, you know, and... and there's games staring at you in the face in 10, 12, 14 days. I think there's a little bit different outcome um, with the way we approached it this year. So, again, by no means did we reinvent the wheel or, you know, do something that no one ever has thought of before. I just think it was a little different in terms of how the guys took it and how, how quickly they were able to apply it. What was your fee? All right, so you, you deal with COVID and you sort of get back on track, the OAC tournament semifinal notwithstanding um you go to pks right you're still you play well you're you feel like you're back on track what was your thinking or what what was the sentiment going into the ncaa's i think that guys again they were in a space they've never been before you know not not going to a final and having to play in a quarter and stuff like that um i think the group was very motivated you know I, I think they they know what happened to us was a pretty extreme circumstance and mm -hmm. um, everyone felt some responsibility one way or another so I think it was just a chance to get back out there and and prove you know how good we were and um, just get that second chance to go compete at, at, at that highest level mm -hmm. and then you go up against a really good Mary Washington what was that game like Great game. Um, probably one of the greatest games I've been a part of in, in my career. I thought, uh, obviously, Mary Washington's very good. They were in the Final Four the year before and um, very highly ranked all season long. Um, it was a battle, you know, back and forth, you know, five goals. Uh, I think the way I would say it to you is I think they had the better of us in the first half. I think we had the better of them in the second half, and that game could have really went either way. Uh, they put away the chances that they had. We only put away one of ours. You know, I think they, it was one, one and a half, I believe. Um, so, yeah, that game could have went either way. But I was really proud of how our guys fought and battled. And um, I, I truly feel that they proved that they're at that that caliber of a program with the Mary Washington and, and the top mm -hmm. dogs in the country with that performance that yeah. day. I didn't doubt it after that game. I think you guys tied it up with like 20 minutes left, and I thought – 
I, I thought to myself, this is John, you guys are going to take this. Like, I just thought it was that moment where, you know, you're like, man, my, our, my legs feel lighter and I'm feeling better. And here we go. And we're tied it up and we're back in this and let's, let's get rolling. And then, sure. you know, um, because I do. So I watched a lot of you guys because I had thought in my head based on a conversation that we had that I thought you guys were very, very good. And I thought that you could have made a obviously come up against Mary Washington, but you could have made a super deep run. Right. And I don't know if it changes. I, I'm assuming it would have changed sort of your trajectory had you won the tournament. Right. And you just got the automatic qualifier. Um, but I was sort of like, well, I think if I look at 10 teams you, uh, that I think could win it, I thought you guys at the start were, were definitely up there. Yeah. Um, all right. So I'm going to ask, what does your next, what does, what are you, what are you thinking about next year now? Just based on what their roster, what your roster looks like. Cause I know for those who don't know, you guys carry a lot of guys like, or I don't know if you carry it, but you have a big roster, um, big pool of players. So what are your thoughts about 2024? Yeah. You know, I'm real big on reflection and, and self-assessment and, and trust me, I think my self-assessment started the second that test went positive, if I'm being honest. But um, we spent a lot of time thinking about how to get better, how, how to improve things, you know, that relentless pursuit of better that we talk about. And that growth mindset applies to everything that we do, right? Mm -hmm. So, of course, you know, 16 seniors were on the roster this year. Three of them were fifth year, so obviously they've exhausted their eligibility and, and can't come back. And then we're working through the 13 guys um, who can. Now, five of them are coming back for sure. Mm -hmm. Three or four are for sure not coming back. And then we're waiting for answers on the other. Uh, I'm not sure how other programs do it, but I am very low pressure. You know, I've told my guys, if you tell me the day before preseason you're coming back or you're not coming back, that's that's okay. You know, I think it's completely up to them, and they have to do what's best for them and their future. And you know, guys are in a situation where they have a couple job offers, or they can come back and play, and they have to navigate through that kind of stuff with their family. So, um, yeah, it's tricky. Kind of, it's it's tricky, tricky for them, right? Like, it's not the easy choice is to be, or the the choice I'm sure they're all thinking is like, I just that would be great to play, but when you have all these different alternatives, that's not an easy thing to deal with at that age. Yeah. The only thing I really tell them, especially if they ask for it in terms of advice, is that, you know, once you don't play, you never get it back. You know, we all know how it is to work for 10, 20, 30, 40 years. You know, those days, uh, they don't go away for a while, but you only get one chance to play that fifth year. But you have to be 100% invested in that yeah. if you want to do it. You, you got to dive in with both feet. You can't have one foot out the door if you decide to do that. But um you know, for the, the five guys we have coming back, I'm very excited for them. Um, for the guys who are working through it, I, I want to be patient and, and supportive. And whatever they decide, I, I will be good with. Okay. Um, and then what does your the rest of your – I mean, I, I, the only – I'll just ask it. Like, how strong do you think you will be next year? Yeah, I, I my answer is not going to change. I, I expect us to have another really, really good roster, and I I feel that – um, well, again, we'll, we'll wait on a couple of these decisions, but, you know, based on how recruiting has been going, based on how, um, 
the guys who are returning, uh, who, who they are, and um, waiting on a few more, there's no reason why they can't be the, the most talented roster in, in JCU soccer history again. I wish I could say I like that answer, but I don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you're reloading again. Like I said, I think you got you every year. I mean, for the last two years or three years that I've been watching really intent, there's never a drop off with you. And, and which is why I think those three games, I was kind of like, this doesn't look normal to me right like you don't see that sort of, that you guys like a lot of programs do right they reach a top and then they think okay and the next year they're down you guys are consistently at a level so um i'd always find it interesting that you're able to do that that's why i think you do something illegal or you must like pay people they're all professionals from overseas and you just give them fake documents i don't know there's something there I'm, i'll find it i'll yeah. find it. <laughs> it, it the thing i will i will tell you is i um i think our guys going into this fall they feel something they haven't felt before because they they didn't win a trophy, right? And yes, they made the second round and the NCAA yeah. stuff and whatever. So I think there's a little different type of motivation. I think they're always motivated by something, um, but I do think their approach is probably going to be a little different than it has been in past years, and that's probably what makes me most excited as a coach because um, I don't think – you can simulate that unless it actually happens to you. So in other words, they're good, and now they're hungry because they didn't, they didn't get the trophies. Right. Which is even a worse combination. So this interview is over. Um, no. <laughs> um, no, it's interesting, right? Like, I, I'm serious. Like, that's – I've been trying just thinking about how teams – get far and and you usually find like the teams that sort of carry the momentum are just sort of like um they're driven by something that is much different and than in the past and it could be hunger it could be right a bunch of different things and that that not getting a trophy when you're consistently like man we always have some hardware i hate to say that as a, as a former, well, I still think I'm a player, but former player, like that would grade on me, like, and I'd be like, I'm out to prove something, All right? So, um, it, it's interesting. You know, I don't even remember our, our first interview. You asked me about um, like today's player versus you know yeah. when I when I played yeah. and things like yeah. that. And the motivation piece, I'm telling you, is still one of the most difficult things I think for any coach in any sport. Mm -hmm. um, this generation is just different. They're, they're motivated yeah. by different things. You know, when you play for Mount and I played for JCU, it didn't matter who you were playing, when you were playing. You, it, we just thought differently. It was we're going to yeah. go win the game, and and yeah. it was a personal pride thing. Where these guys are a lot more physically gifted and and have a lot more soccer talent than than we did. But um, the mentality side, you know, they they're motivated by different things. And yeah. um, like I said, I. 
I think everything happens for a reason. I'm a, I'm a mm -hmm. big believer in that. And I think everything yeah. that happened to us um, this past year happened for, for that reason. So yeah. I'm very excited to get back out yeah. there in August. There are, I say there's no coincidences, right? There's no, like you said, there's things happen for a purpose. We just don't know what that purpose is. And without sure. getting too deep and philosophical and spiritual, I'll just leave it at that. But I do, I totally, you just don't know what that plan is set to evolve, right? Like, right. you know, it could be the best thing that's ever happened to you coaching, believe it or not, is going through what you did this year, right? Because now it's just going to make you better next year, I think. So, anyhow. Um, all right, so you, you you talk about the amount of teaching you did in, this, in the preseason. What, what does your spring look to shape up? Is it more of that, or are you now starting to think, well, let's change it up again, or? Yeah, I think because of the change in the rules for the spring season it's an opportunity mm -hmm. to kind of do things a little different um i think it's going to be a combination of teaching and fun um mm -hmm. with the uh, the additional days which we're extremely excited about I, I i love the new setup but it's going to be an experiment no, nobody knows how this is going to go or or what the right answer is yet we're all gonna go out there with our our respective ideas and and see what happens but um i would tell you it's going to be 50%, hey, we got to teach and we got to learn and we have to continue moving forward. But the other half is going to be, I want these guys to have fun. I want them to enjoy training and whatever games and points and, and drills that we do. I want them to uh, equally look forward to that as well. So we're, we're going to go with that approach for now and see how things go. But I, I want the guys leaving the spring season excited to be back on campus for the fall, not all beat up and, and tired of drills and things like that where they want the break, you know? So um, I think that combination is, is what's best for us right now. And, and we're going to see how that goes. Right, so it's a big deal for me because I like, and this might be totally out of left field, but how big of a deal is joy or that the players finding enjoyment of the game for you and your staff it's huge. And again, I think it goes back to that mentality um, piece I just mentioned a little bit ago. You know, the coaches we had growing up, it was a dictatorship. It was yeah. a my way or the highway. It was, yeah, you're yeah. going to do it and you're going to like it, you know, yeah. that, that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah. And that doesn't work anymore. You know, no. our guys, um, I give them a lot of credit because I do have a lot of that old school in me, even though I'm considered still a, a younger coach. Um, but I think those core values of, of discipline and, and uh, respect and accountability, those are non-negotiable. Like that has to happen, mm -hmm. right? But um, you have to find a way to make the game enjoyable for them. You have to find a way to make training enjoyable for them. And what's uh, fortunate for us at JCU is our guys love to compete, you know, no matter what it is. So mm -hmm. you're able to work with a group like that who has that competition mindset and get things accomplished because they're having fun while they're yeah. learning, yeah, in a yeah. sense. Yeah, yeah. I'm a big, I mean, that's my big thing, right? Because I think I've watched so many like joyless games and club soccer. I'm totally, so it's so, you know what I mean? Like they just yeah, yeah. sort of, you know, it's like, man, it, it, it pains me to watch some of these kids play because they're just, it's like, you know, 
just like eating toast, I guess. I don't know what, but it's just so not joyful. And I'm like, even when even when you were getting your teeth kicked in, literally and figuratively, um, back when we played, you stepped on the field and you were pumped. You know, there was some right, like it was like, oh yeah, hey, I, I suddenly, you know, for me it was just like, oh, freedom to just be myself and to do the things I want to do, right? And I think that, you know. I, not to get too deep into this one, but I, I'll give you my two cents on that. I, I just think in, in this, this club soccer industry right now, there's too many games. The, the, these kids play so much that there's no value when yeah. they do play. It's almost like a chore, like, oh, I have to go back to here to go play, and i got to play this team yeah. for the seventh time in six months. You know, yeah. Whereas we, we played – like once you a couldn't week. wait to get back out there. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, once yeah. a week, you know, and um, yeah. that that's a generational thing. You know, I, I, I the club soccer setup, you know, we can go on for hours about, about that, but there's something to be said of, of why they feel that way. It's yeah. human nature, uh, you yeah. know, where something happens so frequently, it's it's hard to appreciate it like you should. It, that's a great point because it does, I've been, right, like it's joyless, it's meaningless, Right. Now, I'm, I'm sure ECNL and all the folks don't want to necessarily hear that, but it, it, it becomes a series of meaningless games because, like you said, maybe they're playing too much and you can't have meaning attached to every game. And I don't know how you solve that in the in the youth soccer world. Right. Because there's a. You know, for some folks, it's a there's a reward to having kids playing as many games as you can and all that kind of stuff. I totally get but it does make it for some pretty bland. Who was I talking to? Um, and we were saying like you can go, you can go watch a game, and you don't know who's winning or who's losing because they're just sort of going through it. You know, sure. It's like game's over, and nobody knows who they want, who won, who lost. Like it just. I think it's just because of that. We could solve this problem with about five hours worth of conversation about how to make this better. But um, um, it's interesting, I you know, and especially you in Ohio and me here. It's funny how it's consi- it's you consistently hear see the same things, right? Like it just. Um, but all right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you a question, and. I, because we gotta, we, we, you know, we can't, we can't not, I can't not, not, I can't not ask this question. Otherwise, my my credibility as a crack journalist, investigative reporter goes out the window. Not that I ever had those, but I gotta ask you about the whole NCAC move. Um, as a I think I get it. As a Mount Union grad, I'm laughing. Scaredy cats. Just when Mount got really good in soccer, coach, you tuck tail and run. I get it. I get it. Don't get me wrong. (laughs) No, but seriously, give me your thoughts on the whole move um, to the NCAC, which, to be quite honest, from a soccer perspective, both on the men's side and the women's side, it's not like you're going to an easier conference. Forget all the sure. other sports. I'm just looking at you guys. You're going into quite the frying pan. So I have a lot of thoughts and comments on this, so so buckle up. This, this might take a minute. 
I am so ready. I got cold coffee and a drink. I'm ready to roll. You know, first and foremost, just me personally, it's it's very bittersweet because um, I've been in the OAC since I was 17 years old. This has been 22 years of being part of this conference. It's been wonderful. I, Off the top of my head, now that I'm thinking about it, I think Reed Ayers is probably the only one who's been in the OAC longer than I have Wonder. on the men's he side. Was with, right? He was with Hiram, right, for when right. he was playing, and they were we were OAC. And it's been great. I, I, I've loved every minute. I've really appreciated the relationships I've gotten to make uh, with the the schools and the players and the coaches. And it's it's sad in a sense, right? Because it's like a, a piece of history and a huge part of my life that. Um, is going to be a big change, but I'm also equally excited uh, because I feel like this is a move for our institution that is going to propel us forward in a positive way. And and what I mean by that is anybody who thinks this is an athletics decision is severely uh, misguided. Uh, this has nothing to do with anything but academic alignment. Um, a path forward in terms of being more of a national brand, even though I would argue I think we're already kind of a national brand. Um, and it's just something that, I'll be honest, I'm surprised probably didn't happen sooner. Now, the the idea that this decision, I just told you it was not made based on athletics, but mm -hmm. uh, for those who do think it's based on athletics, if they think that we made this decision based on one sport, then we're not a very good athletic department, and I know we are. Um, this, again, is, is for the health of the university. It is uh, a way bigger picture than um, avoiding one program. And I can go on down the road of, of what everyone assumes and what I've read online, which is just infuriating to me because it couldn't be further from the truth. Um, at John Carroll, we do not run from competition. We, we run at competition. We want competition. That's everything we do from academics to service to debate team I, I can go on and on you know if if you don't want to compete you shouldn't come to JCU because that's what we're all about here so um, like I said I, I could go on for a, a mile a minute on this but um, it's just very it's very bittersweet for me in the sense of you know my personal experience and all the relationships but I'm like I said I'm excited for the future and at the end of the day you know for us with the men's soccer program specifically I agree with you. It's, it's a pretty similar situation. Um, you know, again, I don't want to name schools and leave people out, but um, very good schools in both conferences. Both conferences have nationally ranked programs uh, who have done really well in, in recent memory and, and stuff like that. So it's going to be different. It's going to be a new challenge. Uh, but I can't reiterate enough that I'm super excited for it. it to give you perspective on, on my guys, when the rumors started swirling and there was some Twitter stuff going on that I, I, I caught wind of. Um, talking to people in our hallway here, it, it sounded like their student athletes were asking a million questions and what's going on. And, you know, I did not hear from one of my guys at any point. Interesting. I think, I, I think their silence says a lot. And, and yeah. again, not in a negative way. It, it's a, mm -hmm. uh, hey, it's out of our control. We control what we can control, and you tell us where we're going to play and we're going to go play. And that's mm -hmm. kind of how we've been programmed here. Uh, we want to play the best schedule possible. It doesn't matter who it is or where it is and, and things like that. So, um, oh, we're moving into, to a different conference. 
from, from there doesn't to pass. Matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. You still have to... You still can't take anything for granted, right? Like, I mean, that's what that's what I think the reality is, that you can't take that for granted. You can't... Your season, you whether you were staying in the OAC or now going to the NCAC, like, you, you can't take any of those games for granted because they're going to be as challenging in either conference, right? Like, I think that's the reality. When I looked at it, you know, like, and yeah, I throw around the, you know, some jokes here and there, but I, these are never just flash-in-the-pan decisions that are made willy-nilly, right? Like, there's some real consequences to the moves and understanding, you know, not only from an athletic standpoint, but just, like you said, institutionally, sort of what, what does it mean for the institution? And I, I just think it was bigger. And what do I know, right? Like, I'm just, just a, like I said, I just crack jokes about it. And we'll continue to crack jokes about it um, as a Purple Raider. But it's okay. It's okay. Um, can I, I, I will ask you a Mount Union question because I'm curious. You're, <clears throat> you're the second OAC coach I had. Coach Krems on, um, it, oh, and I had um, yeah uh, Coach Bergen down at Marietta on as well, but I didn't. I don't think I asked him. Um, and this is a loaded question as well. Um, how slighted was Mount Union for not getting a NCAA bid? <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm just so, putting you on the spot. Like yeah. this is this. <laughs> it, <laughs> I want to make sure. So we we will. I promise we will cut this down and remove it, and I will make it its own video if it's a bad answer. <laughs> I apologize for my hesitation. The reason is again, I I really try to stay off the social media, the boards, and people tell me things, and my you know I I've I caught wind you know of some of these whatever. Um, Listen, Mount Union was very, very good this year. Uh, yeah. That was the best team I've ever seen them have in my entire time in the conference. I think Coach Krems did a fantastic job. Carter Hancock is is one of the yeah, best yeah. players in the country. I mean, he yeah. is an absolute stud, good. Uh, very good, good. And you know, they had a great year. It, and again, I I am not talking about David when I say this. I, I'm talking about I can't believe people don't understand how the selection works yet <laughs> and they get so upset at the end when they see what happens. Now I used to be that guy in, in 2014, I think we were something crazy like 19 and three or something. And we didn't get in. Mm -hmm. And I think it takes happening to you again, to learn the lesson of, of what the criteria is and, and what have you. Um, and the SOS stuff is just really, really important. Yeah, yeah. Now, Again, I'm just talking about like the selection criteria. I'm not talking about what kind of team they were because they're a yeah, hundred. Yeah. They were a hundred percent good enough to be in the national tournament, and they were good enough to make noise. Uh, yeah, but yeah. unfortunately, that's how these things go. And like I said, that happened to me in, in 2014, and um, I felt the same way. You know, I felt like you know um, we got slighted and, and things like that. But the reason why I started laughing in the beginning was that. Uh, People kept saying, "I can't believe John Carroll got in over Mount," and and I, I laugh because those people really don't know how this works because Otterbein <laughs> got in over Mount. 
Um, like it, it, it's it's numerically impossible for it was for John, you know, because of the way the regional rankings work yeah, and, yeah. and all that stuff. And I was like, man, I don't know why you're mad at us. You should be mad at Otterbein. Go talk to Jason over there, you know, because um, because the reality is that's that's really who got selected over them, and yeah. that's public knowledge. That's you know on the NCAA website and and whatever. But no, I again. I, all seven of the teams in our region who were ranked got in, yeah. uh, and like I said, uh, uh, Mount Union was as good or, or, or better as, as some. And yeah, um, yeah. you know, from a numbers uh, and selection, I understand why they didn't get in. From a, the yeah, human yeah. element and watching them play and and competing against them, uh, you, you you definitely feel bad for them because they were that good. Yeah, I think I don't they, know if that makes sense. I think, yeah, 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 totally. So to summarize, they got robbed. It's okay. They, we, we got it. <laughs> um, no, I think they. I think they lost. They lost or they tied a couple games. That that's where they, they. That's where it hurt, right? Like just by dropping those points. I think that, and it it had no reflection of the season, which I thought they were outstanding. And to your point, I yeah. thought this is the best team I'd watched, and I'd watched Mount Union much longer than I started all this nonsense with the YouTube and the. So I've been watching them for much longer, and it is def, by far the best team that I that I had watched um, it, in all that time. The the part I feel the, the worst for for any team in this situation is that. You can't control yeah. the results of the teams that you play against, play against you know, correct. in their own games. You know, so correct. you try to schedule the best way possible. Um, and if a team has a down year, it can really hurt your SOS, and you have nothing to do yeah. with it. You yeah, know, and, yeah. and I think that's where Mount fell victim to that. Like I said, it, it yeah. wasn't their fault. It just the yeah. teams that they played against didn't perform yeah. like they traditionally had in the past. Had, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I agreed. Agreed. Um, all right. On that note, I will let you get on with your day. Um, glad to see you recovered. Um, thank you. And, uh, as always, as much banter as I give you and as much stick as I give you and John Carroll, I love talking to you. You're one of the, you're one of the good guys in the game. So do appreciate you giving me the time and, and yes, believe it or not, I do wear the John Carroll hat out in public. (laughs) Um, so, um, but yeah, really appreciative, Coach. And hopefully, we can catch up in person one of these days when I'm out uh, out in Ohio. No doubt. Thank you again, and, and thank you all for all that you do in for you know D3 soccer. Uh, I have to admit, I owe you an apology. I have not watched the show in a minute, uh, but I have a very good reason. My my two year old has completely taken over the YouTube channel. Now he's watching Miss Rachel every day. So every time I try to put. <laughs> You know, one of your shows on, he just grabs that remote no. and and gives me that look. So I, I got to catch up on past episodes. I yeah, promise yeah. I'm going to go back to your number one <laughs> viewer here very shortly once yeah. I, I get that kid away from his from my account. Look, the only thing I care about is that you get him to subscribe to my channel. Whether you watch or not after that, just get him to subscribe. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, that's awesome. That's You know what? Yeah, that's what kids do. They yeah. own you for the longest time. So. I, Miss Rachel has taught my child way more about everything than, than I have, and, and I, I feel terrible about that. So I, yeah. I gotta, I gotta raise my game here. Yeah, you got, you got work to do. Better get hit the gym. Start hitting the gym, and then yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. All right, coach. Um, yeah, we'll be in touch. Thanks again. Thank you. Take yeah, care. Thanks.